1: time now to shift our attention to the US and they were in action over the weekend. Headlines involving the US at the Shangri-La Dialogue plus the latest regarding the US Capitol Hill attack hearing. Nirmal Ghosh, US Bureau Chief of the Straits Times, is online with me. Nirmal, let's start off uh, with the first one. US Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and his Chinese counterpart General Wei Fenghe met for the first time at the Shangri-La Dialogue. It happened here in Singapore over the weekend. Let's talk a little bit about the dynamic Dynamics between these two. What did you observe in terms of key moments of their interactions? Uh, what does it show where the US and China are concerned in terms of being able to have a proper civilized conversation, if I put it that way?
0: Hi there. Well, it may not have been as bad as some of the headlines made it out to be. In fact, it was a good sign that they met for an hour, which was apparently double the allocated time. And they spoke about the importance of keeping lines of communication open. And they apparently agreed to hold more talks. Now, certainly they sparred over Taiwan. I believe Austin accused China of provocative behavior and China had its usual bellicose stand on Taiwan. After the meeting, Senior Colonel Wu Qian, who is spokesman for China's Ministry of National Defense, said it was, quote, Taiwan independence, secessionists, and outside forces, unquote, that were changing the status quo. That is not the mainland. He said, U.S. arms sales to Taiwan undermined China's national sovereignty and peace and stability. According to him, General Wei had told Austin, if anyone dares to split Taiwan from China, the Chinese army will not hesitate to fight at any cost to crush any attempt at Taiwan independence. But that is par for the course now. When Taiwan comes up, you really can't expect much else. I think on balance, everyone is pleased that they actually met and talked, which is, of course, the purpose of the Shangri-La Dialogue.
1: It gets a little bit more juicy, normal, because uh, Chinese Defense Minister General Wei Fenghe has accused the U.S. of trying to hijack countries in the Indo-Pacific region with exclusive multinational groups that target China in, and he was saying this in his speech at the dialogue, right? So was the U.S. expecting China to be so bold and openly accuse them at this event? How did they react and would this change the way the U.S. handles China moving forward? Yes, indeed. General Wei accused the U.S. of meddling in the affairs of
0: our region with its maritime patrols and, quote, flexing muscles by sending warships and warplanes on a rampage in the South China Sea, unquote. The U.S. and China were neither seeking nor expecting anything specific in Singapore. They were presenting their own visions for security. And, of course, one of China's messages was that the region would be fine and the U.S. would stop interfering. This is not going to change anything in the direction of the relationship. Now, on the eve of the Shangri-La dialogue, the U.S.'s ambassador to China, Nicholas Burns, told a Utah Valley University ...event via video from Beijing that relations with China may be at their lowest point since 1972. He said, we have seemingly unremitting competition between us. And nothing that happened or was said in Singapore really changed any of that. Again, both sides basically stated their positions and in that sense, there were no surprises. Issues do remain unresolved and both sides see things very much from their own perspectives... Each sees the other as provocative and destabilizing. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode.
1: All right, Nirmal. Personally, I've been quite curious about this one. It talks about the US lifting tariffs on China on certain products. So the Shangri-La dialogue is over. I know it's a security dialogue, but is there any possibility that these lifting of tariffs could have happened or could happen sooner, despite the fact that there's quite a bit of tension between them? Will the aftermath of the dialogue maybe change the way the US is going to handle this particular situation with China?
0: This is... A politically charged issue for President Biden. Now, inflation is running at 8.6%. Taking some tariffs off will bring down the prices of those imports, but then he will risk being accused of being soft on China. The Republicans have him between a rock and a hard place, and the midterms are only around five months away. The Democrats are going to have a very hard time holding on to what they have in the House anyway. Now they are faced with this gamble. Do you lift some China tariffs and have some effect on inflation? And if so, what effect? Will it be a clear, discernible effect that will make it worth being called soft on China? Certainly, the American voter ultimately is more concerned about inflation than about China. And then there are other contributors to inflation as well. Fiscal expansion, for example, and of course, the war in Ukraine. Gas prices have almost doubled nationwide. So U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has said that the administration is looking to reconfigure tariffs imposed on Chinese goods to make them more strategic. The Trump era tariffs did not serve the United States strategic interests, she said. This was to Congress last Wednesday. She was referring to the Section 301 tariffs started in July 2018 after an investigation concluded that China had stolen intellectual property from American companies and forced them to transfer technology. She said, yes, tariff reductions in some areas could help to bring down the prices of things that people buy that are burdensome. But she also said tariff policy is not everything with regard to inflation. I don't think the tone of the conversations that the Shangri-La dialogue will be allowed to affect calculations in terms of foreign policy downside risk, in terms of staying tough on China. That is, it won't exacerbate that factor. What happened at the Shangri-La dialogue only underscores the fact that the relationship, as Ambassador Burns said, is at a low point.
1: I don't think it would exacerbate it. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Namal. Really appreciate it. Let's turn our attention to a different matter. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 U.S. Capitol attack. It held its first primetime hearing last week. What were some of the key takeaways for you? No surprise, focus on Trump as well. Plus, does it set the tone for the rest of the hearings? Yes, the
0: second hearing is on Monday evening, Washington time. This is a series of hearings that is designed to take to the public to make the case that then-President Trump and key allies planned and unleashed a plot to subvert the election result. This is a battle for public opinion. The first hearing shared new footage of the attack on the Capitol. It showed edited clips of previous testimony by key figures like former Attorney General William Barr, like Donald Trump's own daughter, Ivanka Trump. It had live testimony from an injured Capitol police officer and the filmmaker, some of whose footage was shown. And in the event, it was apparently watched by at least 20 million, which is a good audience. It is in the same ballpark as a big Sunday night football game. But the principal takeaway from the first hearing would be very different depending on which side of the political divide you are on. The hearing tried to make the case that all this was instigated and triggered by Donald Trump, not in an explicit way, but in a way that could not be interpreted otherwise. But the big issue here is that Americans, by and large, know the story or think they know the story already. So they will come away with their own conclusions. Trump supporters and many Republicans in Congress maintain that this committee is a kangaroo court out to destroy Donald Trump politically. That is the lens with which they will see this and other hearings as well. They will say, for example, well, it has all been selectively edited to make Trump look bad. And the fact is, there is no evidence that could lead to a criminal charge against Donald Trump so far. But we'll see what happens subsequently. That was the first broadside and there are more to follow. We just heard that former Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien will be among the witnesses on Monday. We will have to wait a bit more to find out
1: whether public opinion is significantly shifted by these hearings. And no matter the latest on gun legislation in the U.S., we saw thousands of demonstrators descending on Washington, where you're at, and across the U.S. over the weekend, calling on lawmakers to pass legislation aimed at curbing gun violence following last month's massacre at Texas elementary school. I mean, obviously, this has got to be a sign, right, that Americans have had enough when it comes to the gun laws. I mean, it is tricky if you're talking about amending those laws. But what kind of a positive impact could we get from this rally?
0: Yes, there is good news on this front. The mood in Congress has been forced to shift. So as we know, the House just days ago passed legislation which would raise age limits, plug some red flag loopholes and so forth. Now that goes to the Senate, and it wasn't being given much of a chance because the Democrats would need 60 votes in the Senate, which they don't have. But just a few hours ago, a bipartisan group of 20 senators, 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats, announced that they have reached a tentative agreement on legislation that would alongside some new restrictions also create significant new mental health and school security investments. And they indicated that it could get enough Republican support. Now, if all this stays on track, it could be the most significant national response in decades to gun violence. Mind you, we will see hardened security in schools, which is not something one likes to see in a school, but at this stage, Something is better than nothing, as they say, and this proposal seems to have real potential. It addresses issues across the board from actual controls, however marginal, on gun sales to school security and mental health as well, both definitely related issues which pro-gun advocates would agree on. These senators said, and I quote from their statement, our plan saves lives while also protecting the constitutional rights of law-abiding Americans, unquote. So yes, on
1: balance, good news on that front. I've been speaking with Nirmal Ghosh, US Bureau Chief for The Straits Times.